Gorgeous George and Goes, are you ready? Junkie Nation, are you ready? Well, let's get it on. From the fight capital of the world, Las Vegas, Nevada, this is MMA Junkie Radio. We roll it! What is going on, Junkie Nation? Gorgeous George and Goes reporting for duty here on a Thursday morning. It's June 8th. It's fight week. So I'm going to give you guys some reminders about our watch along on Saturday, June 10th, 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 p.m. Pacific. That's when we show up for four prelims. We'll be with you guys into the main card. 10 p.m. Eastern, 7 p.m. Pacific. Five fights, including a title fight. Amanda Nunez versus Irene Aldana. We got great coverage in Vancouver, so keep it locked on MMA Junkie throughout the week. That way you can be all fired up on Saturday for the fight card. Those watch-alongs are a blast. On today's show, we'll also talk to Amanda Hivas, another Brazilian fighter. She's got a fight coming up, though not this Saturday. It's later on this month. It's a big one, too, against Macy Barber. And, of course, we'll touch on some of the latest news in the sport of mixed martial arts, including a, a quick recap of Tough 31, Episode 2. And we'll be right back to start the show. All right, guys. So it is fight week, and uh, the fighters are kind of doing their media thing out there in Vancouver. Uh, of course, Amanda Nunes at the top of the bill. She, uh, you know, can't, can't say enough great things about Amanda Nunes, honestly, other than that stumble against Juliana Pena. And I guess that we want to hold it against her, a loss to Kat Zingano early in her career. She has been absolutely brilliant in the UFC. Those are her only two losses. Uh, she came back. She never fought Zingano again. But she came back and pummeled the rest of the division. Uh, she did fight Pena again, and she pummeled her. How, you know, how this was almost a trilogy was beyond me, and I'm glad it's not. But Irene Aldana, something came up, goes, that I want to bring back from a discussion that we had either on Streaming Backclick, Junkie Radio, maybe Triple G, our show on Patreon. I'm not sure. But Irene Aldana has been having problems making 135. Now, Usually when it comes to the title fight, the fighters will do that ex- go that extra mile or whatever, and usually we don't have a problem, but it's not like we we have a perfect record, you know? Like, a lot of fighters just had the biggest opportunity of their lives and didn't make weight. And so with Aldana, though, you would have thought almost this would have been the tiebreaker on why Pennington, who's won five in a row, including beating Aldana, um, would have would have got the nod versus Aldana, who is four and one in her last fight. To be fair, but she's had this trouble making weight that can destroy the show. And by the way, Pennington, I believe, is a backup fighter, and her and her partner Tisha Torres just became parents. So I wonder just how into it she is, and is she ready to go? And is that still on, or is she, you know, uh? helping to to look after the newborn baby i don't know the baby's name but congratulations to them what, what do you think about all this i think it could turn everything into an absolute shit show um and it's a card that's like 
you know, not very, not one of their strongest. I'm not one to complain on this one though, just because I love the, <laughs> the co-main event so much that it, it just makes me feel like I'm getting my, my money's worth there. Yeah. But yeah, if that scenario goes down. Oh my God. that That's going to be a nightmare. Um, you're right. You could have probably made a case early on for Pennington. Mm-hmm. I'm one of those guys that just kind of didn't want to see that rematch again. Um, it just so happens that uh, Mexico's a little bit on fire right now, and the storyline here is good. Yeah. But, but yeah, hopefully something like that doesn't happen because that that just ruins everything. Yeah, and look, I I'm not going to die on the hill fighting for Pennington. I've always liked Pennington. And I respect the hustle of winning five straight after that. You know, she was, it was a one-sided beatdown in Brazil a few years ago. But to that, to her credit, she didn't quit. And then she came back and won five in a row. It's not like she won two in a row and she's saying, hey, what about me? Like she's won five in a row. So maybe she's just next. Who knows? I'm not even going to be snarky and say, well, you know, if you're the backup fighter, that guarantees your next shot. Because now I'm, I'm being a jerk. I think I've made my point with that with that one before, just to point out the UFC's inconsistencies. But regardless. It's um, a nice little paycheck, though, right, for being a, a, a sure. new parent and all that, having a baby on the way. If you don't end up fighting, it's a nice little paycheck to kind of help out. Yeah, I don't even think the baby's a, a, a week old, so... In reality, you know, she at least was there for the childbirth a few days. And now I don't know if she can just fly off and show up to Vancouver. Oh, made weight. Oh, they made weight. But I'm going back to Colorado, you know, to be with my baby. Maybe that's the case. Who knows? Or maybe she's just out and all everything rides on both ladies making weight. Aldana did look leaner. I will give her that. She did look leaner. But at the same time. This has just happened before when fighters just for whatever reason can't make weight. And look, here's why I can get in trouble. With women, there's that one unpredictable thing that can pop up that a lot of women have leaned into. You know, this happened to me. It's my time of the month. And so uh, and because because it's kind of like a, a little bit of an immunity card that they play. Um, and and it, it's most of the time probably valid. Uh, and here's why I think I can joke about it because other women have said, so, so what we go through it, but you still need to make weight. And I'm glad that other women have stepped up, including Misha Tate and said, sorry, you can't use that as an excuse. Um, we all have to make weight. We know when this is coming and, and you have to be a professional. So whatever, that's a whole other discussion. But, uh, if it's not for a title, this will suck. I guess I'll still want to watch the fight. Maybe they'll still do it. But uh, it wouldn't be a, an official title defense for Nunez. Um, and, and you're right. The co-main event is so good that uh, we'll be okay. But, goes. I will disagree. One, one thing he said on Monday show. I think he said the co-main event was so good that that was worth all the money. Eh, it's 80 bucks. I don't know. I don't know if it's – I expect more from the UFC. You know, it, it's – they can take 40 of my dollars for that fight, but where's the other 40 coming from? Ige and Landwehr, here's 10 more, 50. Curtis and uh, Nasserdine, Imovov, well, that's for free, so I can't give you that. You know, the other ones that are on the card, you see what I'm saying? So, yeah, I'm still going to give them a little bit of heat uh, until fight night, and then if fight night, if it works out and I'm gushing, 
afterwards, then I'll say, okay, you know, $80 well spent. That's kind of funny. I'd never really looked at a, a card a la carte like that. Yeah. I would, that would be interesting to put like every card, just put it like a menu, you know, and have the, the price next to it. Mm. See what you come yeah, up with. Yeah. I mean, let's say Malat and Anders and uh, Mark Andre Barrio, you know, all those guys. Let's say they really, really deliver. And Ige and Landwehr are was a great fight as well. Well, now going in the coming event, we're playing with house money at that point. Then I think now we're saying, okay, not the biggest names in the world, but maybe someone became a star that night. And now we got this thing going on with Benny and, and uh, Oliveira. And then, of course, the title fight, if both makes both chicks make weight and the, it's a classic, then, hey, the, that's what the UFC does have is they also have an immunity in a sense because it's it's really hard for a card of fights to, to, to not be good. Goes and I went to Cage Warriors the other night. We had a blast, and we had never heard of most of those fighters. That's what MMA can do, but the UFC has a special ingredient, and that's when you tune in, you're familiar with the announce team, and they have personalities and popularity. The people that are in the audience, it's cool to be watching something that other people are watching as well, and, and we're all tweeting the gambling aspect of it all. You know, and then obviously the fact that stars can be made on the undercard and there's a little bit of drama. Dana White's a star. You know, the, the, I, the, I will give the UFC credit for that. And that's why we tune in because you don't want to miss anything. Oh, agreed. I mean, you're right. We went to Cage Warriors and we didn't know any of them. And that was a lot of fun. So um, that that is the advantage of being at home, uh, you know, being there live and in person. But when you're at home, and you're struggling because there's NBA playoffs, NHL playoffs, there's food on the table, all kinds of stuff. Sometimes some of these fights take a back seat or you got to go take a nap or something. And you'll find a little stretch within that card that uh, if the fight just isn't important and there are people you don't know, sometimes you do tend to drift off. By the way, a quick update on other sports. Uh, congrats to the Golden Knights who are 2-0. In the NHL Stanley Cup, they play the Florida Panthers tonight in Florida. So this is Florida's chance to at least kind of hold serve at home and possibly stay in this series, although they've been getting thumped 5-2 to two and 7-2. to two. But the other game goes will be going on at the same time that we're doing the uh, watch-along when it starts at 8 p.m. Eastern, mm -hmm. 5 p.m. Pacific. So we'll be kind of doing double duty there. Uh, and in the NBA again, Florida, Miami, Sofla, they they're uh, they're in this. You know, it's it's two one, but they did win one in Denver. And if they can win one in Miami, then it's two two going back to Denver. We got ourselves a series, so uh, that that's been fun to watch. It's kind of refreshing, honestly. Sometimes to get some new new blood in there, even though it, it came at the expense of our Lakers. All right, Benil Dariush, he seems to. Uh, you know how he's got that that laid-back attitude? Hey, whenever the title shot comes, it comes. I'm not going to sit here and beg and all that. Well, the more I'm reading, the more I'm seeing that this looks like not a slam dunk, but it almost looks inevitable. If Darius wins, it's his. And he's getting the support of other fighters, including Dustin Poirier, who did an interview with Mike Vaughn. Check that out on YouTube.com forward slash MMA Junkie Video. That's where you can see extended uh, interviews. You know, all the interviews that we do, all the pre and post fights, spinning back click, legend to legend, 
you got to go to youtube.com forward slash MMA Junkie Radio. But how about Oliveira saying, if I win, I'm expecting the same. I don't know, goes. Makachev kind of manhandled him. And unless Oliveira manhandles Darius, he starts to worry about old Dustin and Justin and the, uh, what you call it, the VMF. You know what I mean? Uh, and, of course, the eventual return of the notorious one, although uh, that's looking less and less likely. Yeah, that's what's so crazy is, like, the Conor McGregor card can always be thrown out. That's why I feel like no matter who you are, it doesn't really matter. But a guy like Charles Oliveira, see, Benil Darius is in a different boat where he's just been slighted so much that even if you did do that, it would still kind of feel ridiculous. As we're with Charles Oliveira, I feel like if you just give him some money to shut up and go away, he'd go, all right, but I'm next after that, right? Like, I don't I don't know that he feels like he's in that boat that Darius is in right now. But, uh, I, yeah, I don't – for Benny, it feels like a slam dunk. But for uh, Oliveira, I, I don't think so, man. Although, depending on how he dispatches a Benny, that could play a factor. Uh, because it is a really good quality win if you were to win that fight. Yeah, and to, to give Oliveira credit, his fights just do not suck, especially as of late. He has been delivering, you know what I mean? He, in his When he won the title, his title defenses, they're really, really exciting fights. Um, oh, look, you're wearing your uh, saying goodbye to Laura right now. She's wearing her jersey, goes her Golden Knights jersey, speaking of the oh, Golden nice. Knights. Yeah, so it's good karma there. You know what that reminded me of, George? Sorry to go back to hockey for a second. But when you said that, I just happened to to catch on to uh, a quote that gets thrown out every now and again. And it's when Kobe Bryant, when the media asks him, why do you look so pissed? You know, you're up to nothing. And he kind of gave the answer of like, who gives a shit? Like, what does that mean? We're not done yet. That's what the Golden Knights feel like right now. Because they're up to nothing. And it's a different type of to nothing where... Florida's a really good team, and they have been manhandling Florida. But you're right, and or Kobe's right. Until the job's done, Florida could easily tie it up, have the momentum coming back. You really have to have that killer mentality, and sometimes you see that out of these special players that we talk about being perhaps some of the greatest of all times, like Kobe Bryant, right? Uh, you do have to have that mentality all across sports. Like It's just not done until it's done. And uh, it, it can play in just about – it's that mindset. And uh, Kobe had that. And sometimes you wonder, going into the fifth round, do other fighters have that? I don't know. I'm sure we're going to get to Henry Cejudo's comments on scoring eventually. But, uh, yeah, I thought about that when you brought up the Golden Knights. It's like, I want to be happy, but job ain't done. Yeah, that's for sure. They got to really – you just you have to put your foot on their neck. You got to step on it. Look at the Celtics. They were down three nothing. Um, sorry, they were up three nothing against. Wait, they were down three nothing. Heat came back, tied it up, and they had Game Seven at home. Not only did they lose it, they got crushed. So credit to them for having the heart to not just get swept like our Lakers, and they fought back and won. You know, at it, it was uh, Game Four would have been in Miami. Then they came back to Boston. Then they went back to Miami again. And then when they came back to Boston, they lost. So on the one, you know, I, I can give them credit for nutting up all that. But then at the same time, they uh, they choked in that one game. But you're right. Until the job's done, 
we'll just we we we'll just leave it at that and and uh, and watch them. But they've been doing really really good so far. Um, all right. So Oliveira, we'll see what happens. Um, yeah, we can we can get into Cejudo, Adesanya. They had some interesting things to say. If you want to touch on a little bit of news, Cejudo and open scoring. Uh, look, it's not that I'm not. I don't like it to tell you the truth because I see ways in which it can be manipulated. But at the same time, that wouldn't be the majority of the time. I just don't want it to ruin a special moment. And I think it can. So they would have to close up some holes. But if you use Henry Cejudo's logic of open scoring, uh, I'm, I'm just wondering if it really changes anything. Um, I know Sal Diamato had it three nothing going into round four, so we would all look up and go, "Oh, Sal Diamato has already iced it," you know, for Amir Albazi. So Kaikar France can't even win the fight unless he finishes them or gets a ten eight, and the best he can do there is draw. So he basically he basically needs two ten eights, otherwise he's going to lose the fight. And then on the other judges' scorecards. You know, we'd have a different hand. But I think what stood out in all of this is Chris Lee, round four. How did he give it to uh, Albazi when he only landed five significant strikes? And and I think uh, Kaikar France had like, four times as much. Like, mm-hmm. he, that's the one guy that I guess if we were going to pull one judge into a room and go, what were you thinking? It'd be that one. Yeah, I had a listener hit me up after the show, after the fight, sorry. And they, and he said I gave the first three rounds to Albazi, and I thought that was kind of crazy. And that, but when I went back and watched it, it's not crazy. It's not what I turned in, but it's definitely not crazy. But round four, I just don't, I just don't see how you can make a case for it. I, I don't, I don't get that one. Hmm. Yeah, we'll touch base on that a little bit because uh, it's been talked a lot. It's been talked about a lot, and I don't know if you saw that little tiff with Sean Sheehan and uh, Ariel Hawani. They were talking about judging, and this was on Twitter, so we got two members of the media there. And Sean was saying, hey, look, um, I'd love to come on and talk about this topic. I'm pretty well versed in it. And to his credit, when I was driving from California to Nevada, I, I did listen to one in particular that he has done and he really does do a good job of explaining things and reinforcing things that some of us already knew or may not have known. And I, I reached out to him and I told him we'd love to talk to him, whether it's here or for Triple G or for both or whatever, um, just so that we can have a good conversation with with someone who does have knowledge on the topic. And um, it was funny to see him and Ariel kind of do it you know these are colleagues of ours i like them both um but they were they were starting to like really butt heads a little but anyway um adesanya uh, in, in particular there's a few things he said one was hey let's raise these fifty thousand dollar bonuses inflation baby yeah you know they used to be higher they used to be sixty thousand seventy five thousand I think they capped out at UFC 129. They were 129,000. But, you know, I'm more interested in more bonuses or just bonus every finisher 
than raising the $50,000. However, I'm not saying I'm against the $50,000. I just see more um, of a letdown when someone gets iced out, especially when they've had a great performance, and especially when the week before, all the finishers may have gotten that bonus or maybe the fifth person got that exception. So I'd like to see I'd see I'd like to see them loosen that up rather than raise the amount. But in a perfect world, I'll take both. Yeah, I mean, shit, man. Even if it got lowered, but more people got bonuses, I'd even be in favor for that. And I think most fighters would like that opportunity. Like if you, if there was a finished bonus, but uh, normally when when Israel Adesanya speaks up, a lot of the times I just disagree. And it's not that I don't like him. I think he's a tremendous fighter, and I think he's a cool guy. But on this particular one, I like that he did it. That's the one thing that I will say is I like that he's accessible. You know, he he puts his, his face out there. He says what's on his mind, and I like that. I don't know if the UFC is going to like it. Uh, they seem to be big fans of Israel Adesanya, but that's a quick way to get on their shit list a little bit. You never know. But there are ways of saying things. Like Henry Cejudo... He, uh, I think he does a good way of saying things and not like burning bridges along the way when he, when he's not triple C, when he really just breaks it down and he's a very intelligent guy. And I've seen Israel Adesanya do that before too, but sometimes he just gets fucking emotional and, and that doesn't really, uh, present the best Israel Adesanya at times. Like, you know, the way he did on fight night that I don't like this. I thought this was interesting. I thought it was a good, good take. Think they deserve yeah. it, you know. And and then he also said he, him and John Jones have seemingly gotten beyond their beef that they had in the past. I guess John Jones paid him a compliment and said that's one of my favorite fighters or my favorite fighter to watch. And Izzy was like kind of shocked, probably thought he was being punked or trolled, but then said, "Eh, well, you know, real recognize real." And I uh, truthfully, I was a fan of Jones growing growing up. He said he pointed back to UFC '94 when he beat Stefan Bonner, the late Stefan Bonner, and um, and so he was a fan of his, you know, since then. And I think ever since Izzy went up, kind of dealt with Blahovich, and it wasn't Jones at the time. He got checked on that fight, and then Jones, of course, now is a heavyweight, while Izzy's back to being at the top middleweight. In reality, they're a lot further apart now, you know, and. That fight was being rumored for 205 at the time, but uh, now now they're further apart. But, you know, one thing I would like to ask Izzy, and I know Izzy would look at me and go, all right, bitch, I know what you're trying to do here. But I, that I, I, would, I would tell him, well, hey, you said you can do our job. Here you go. Who's the baddest man on the planet, Izzy? This John Jones, you know, guy who's one of your favorite fighters growing up, who's accomplished a lot, or your pal from Africa. One of the three kings, Francis and Gone. I'd like to see him weigh in on that topic. You know what I mean? And see and see what he says. Because company man, you know, or a friend, or or you know, that, that's the thing, man. MMA is just anybody who ever says so and so isn't a straight shooter is probably not a straight shooter themselves. Because in MMA, we always have something to guard. There's a lot of alliances. Um and people are cognizant of that. I mean, you have to be like literally removed and living in the hills where you know you're not going to see anyone to just speak honestly or whatever. But even then, if it's against the UFC, the UFC might do something about it. So I've, I've never really met anyone that's been 
100% like honest, honest without having some sort of a bias somewhere. No, man. Unless like, I mean, look, even someone like a Valentina Shevchenko who doesn't really have like a camp. She just kind of does her own thing and stops and trains with a couple people here and there. Uh, even her, there's times where like, I think she's been asked about Rose or something, right? And they're kind of friendly. No matter who you are, there's somebody that's attached to you at some point. And um, that's just how it is, man. Yeah. Speaking of, I'm glad you brought that back because I skipped over it. We kind of moved on from UFC 289. But Amanda Nunes, she's doesn't seem to think her versus Valentina makes sense anymore. Because when both champions were riding high, we kept saying, all right, collision course, part three at some point, right? We did get Max versus Volkanovski. So we kind of broke that seal a few years ago. Before then, we had to go, well, they were going to do Liddell versus Tito, even though when that one fell through and then later on happened in another promotion. But, I mean, no one wanted anything to do with, with uh, you know, trilogy fights when it's already 2-0. Izzy versus Whitaker, Ronda versus Misha, you know, uh, Benavides versus DJ. Like, if you were down 2 nothing, I mean, you were screwed. Until that guy or gal lost, and then you got brought, brought back into the mix. But all I would say is, if I'm Valentina, I'd go, well, didn't you just lose? Like, you know, you just lost, you got caught, I got caught. But if anything, at least Valentina was whooping ass in her fight, whereas Amanda got thumped in hers. So I kinda, that kind of caught me off guard. We usually catch people off guard, but that caught me off guard that Amanda was, uh, I don't know, did it sound to you like she was throwing a little shade? No, actually, to be honest, I agreed with her a little bit. Um, when we wanted, well, when we wanted that fight, the situation was a little different. You know, since then, you're right, Amanda has lost, Valentina's lost. But Valentina not losing at all is what kept us wanting that fight. And now she's even in a different division since then. So it's just kind of, they waited too long. I, I would have totally been into it. And I probably would have picked valentina shevchenko going into that fight because of the way she's looked in previous fights but now it just feels like a different fight and there's so many other options out there now that um yeah she's in a different division it's just it's not the same anymore i think they they missed out well she thumped her because she said that fight don't sell which is kind of saying shevchenko doesn't sell or i think she's wrong there yeah, and then she said, and Dana loves Valentina. He loves them both, you know, but, you know, they don't register Rousey numbers or McGregor numbers or whatever, but still, they're badasses that are well-respected, both of them. But then she says about Shevchenko's fall, she says, quote, I was not surprised. I fought with Valentina when she was in her prime, and we were both growing. Last fight, we were both growing as a fighter. Valentina has a lot of holes that I can see. I wasn't able to do back then, but I see how Alexa Grasso was able to finish her. Man, um, I don't think many people called for Grasso by submission before that fight. Hell no. We'll give her, we'll give her credit for, for figuring it out, but I haven't seen many holes in Valentina's game. Um, and again, when you've recently done the same thing and that's gotten beat up by someone who, by the way, Valentina beat, then I just don't understand. Like, what? If she had more stable footing, then I think she could make that comment. But A, you just lost. B, you lost to someone who Valentina's beaten. And C, when Valentina lost her, she was up, I think, 2-1 or 3-1 or whatever it was. I think she lost in the fourth round. But 
I thought she was basically running away with the fight when she when when Grosso caught her. If not for a mistake, I think Valentina's still champ. So that's why I didn't understand why. You know, I think Chael Sonnen always said, you may have some beef, but if you're on a collision course, you want to put them over as a potential eventual um, foe, you know, opponent, because that's what's going to help itself. But if you're going, oh, yeah, I'm going to steamroll them. No need to tune in. No need to buy the pay-per-view. It's going to be, you know, a whitewash. No, you kind of, in a way, want to also insult someone, start chaos, but also give them props and a reason for someone to tune in. Maybe. I just don't feel like they're on the that collision course anymore. And and I think part of it is, you know, even when Shevchenko does win, she just doesn't look as dominant as she used to. She's had a knee surgery since then. They've just they've just gone in opposite directions, I think. What do you tweet if you're Valentina Shevchenko and Nunez loses on Saturday? You can't, you know, be well, oh, if she loses? Yeah. Um yeah. You're right. We're I'm not on a collision team. course. My my train's headed towards Mexico after I beat Grosso. <laughs> yeah. I'm gonna stay in Mexico or uh, you know, I don't know. It'd be interesting if these girls maybe had a little bit more of that in them. Speaking of girls, all right. I think right now is a good time to talk to Amanda Hebus. She's got a big fight coming up against Macy Barber on June 23rd. The fight will be on ABC. No excuse. Everybody, even if you got the rabbit ears, you get ABC. Uh, so this should be a good one on the same night that Tuporia and Emmett mix it up in the main event. What's going on, Junkie Nation? Gorgeous George and Goes are back with another superstar from the world of mixed martial arts. Today, we get to talk to Amanda Hebus, who is a flyweight, sometimes a strawweight, but she's a flyweight right now, and she's competing on June 24th on ABC. This is going to be big. The prelims, for crying out loud, are on ESPN, and then they move to ABC. This is big, big stuff here. For all of these fighters, including Amanda Hebus, our guest, she faces Macy Barber in the co-main event of USC on ABC5. How are you, Amanda? Hello. I'm feeling good. I'm better now when I listen to this because all the time when who's in ABC against Macy Barber, oh my goodness, my hands start to sweaty. <laughs> so it's amazing. It's amazing to be here talking to you guys. Awesome. Well, it's nice to talk to you. And, you know, before we started the interview, you told me you were in Mina, Mina Judice. And um, but when I go on your Instagram, for example, you're at the beach a lot. Now, I've been to Brazil and Mina Judice is not close to the beach. No. So are you a, did you grow up near the beach or you just like to vacation or go to the beach a lot? Yes, I like to go to the beach because I love water. And my city is not on the beach, but is next to. And there is a lot of waterfall, too, on my city. Oh. My dog is here, right? Let's <laughs> see your dog. Yeah. Look okay. <laughs> Oh, But in my city, there is a lot of waterfalls, too. Oh. So I go more in waterfall than to the beach. But I love oh. it. When I introduced you, I said, flyweight, you're going to be fighting at flyweight. You're doing well as a flyweight. You're two and one as a flyweight. 
But in the past, you were a successful strawweight. So just curious, are you done with strawweight or is that still an opening in the future if you need it? Yes, I I, I want to still fight in, in strawweight because for me, it is my original weight division, but I'm doing good and flyweight and the UFC is offering for me a really good fight. So I am accepting. And flyweight, I can do it the fight in, I don't know, in two weeks, I can get it. And strawweight, I need the time to do my diet, to lose some pounds, you know? But I, I want to do in both divisions. Yeah, because let me tell you something. Those two wins that you, I mean, you have a lot of wins, but two of them, Jandarova and Dern, are huge wins right now. So really, you beat Barber, you're contending at flyweight, you want to go back to strawweight, you're contending there. Like, you really have some nice options. Yes, that's amazing. Because I think for a, me as a fighter, I, I need to fight. So if I have opportunity to fight in, in both divisions, I have more fights that I can pick. So this, for me, is amazing if the UFC get me to do this. When you train in the United States, where do you train? At ATT. In Florida, yeah. But you haven't made the full-time move to United States? I didn't. Uh, I don't think I, I want to leave because my family is all here. My parents and my house. I buy a new house. So I don't think Ooh. I will leave at United States. But I love to go there here near yeah. my place. I like to train at ATT. I did my my camp, a lot of camps I did there with Sensei Parumpa and VV and was amazing. This camp I did here on my city with the girls because we have a athlete's house here. And there is a lot of fighters that came here with our project and it's big, <laughs> it's good too. So tell me about your team and Mina Jedi's. Your who are the coaches that help you there? What's the name of the gym? Who are some of your training partners? My gym is Hibas Family because it's not just a team, you know. It's a family. Uh, yep. They all support each other. Is the girls is really good. I have sure that the girls will go to the UFC too. My friend, I have a friend, he is at the UFC. He signed the last year and he will do other fights in July now. His name is Vinicius. So my 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 city is small, really small city, but our team is huge. Not okay. because the gym, but because I think, I think our hearts, you know, you know when you have a person who you can trust is my team yeah. it's this is the best vibe for me amanda so george mentioned it you've faced some very very tough athletes so far um when you saw macy barber come up on your schedule what do you think of her uh, how does she rank maybe compared to some of the other girls that you fought before she's really strong i i always watch her fights not just because he will i will fight with her but because he is an amazing fighter, I like to watch her fights because she have she is strong, she has a good conditioning, 
and she she does excited fight and for me i think will be a huge fight for me because of this she does excited fights and i want to do some fight so like this too for to be like you know when the the audience like to watch the fans so i want to do a like fire fight nice okay <laughs> yeah. and so obviously um you know if this goes your way the rest of the year there's still a lot left in this year how do you see the rest of the year playing out for you i hope my my arms get to the top and then this fight so i can do more i don't know two or three fights in this year because i already did one maybe more two i uh, i hope that for you, what do you feel like is your your ultimate drive? Is it more one day holding a belt? Is it the uh, the fame, the money? What like kind of makes you the most happy? You know, I saw because because I am on PSP, uh, the game of the UFC, and I played with myself with the belt, and I saw that and me, oh, I want this belt and this belt. So for me. I really want the belt because when you have the belt, you have the proof that you the better, the better, the best one. And when you are the best one, everyone wants to copy you. And I like to be a good example, you know. And for me, when I have the belt, everybody wants to do as me. And if I do a good example, I I can teach the children if you do good things, good things come back to you. If you believe and work, you can do whatever you want. You know, we we all know you as a cool, calm, collected fighter, but we don't know video game you. What is video game like like for you? Uh, Are you intense? How do you handle video a lot game the video is like, game? Uh, when you play with someone. Mm-hmm. No, yeah. but but how do you how do you act? Are you intense or are you getting yes, mad? I, you like when I am first cars. I have good on the ground, good striking. When I saw that, I mean, yeah, I am big. <laughs> yes, was also. Do you play FIFA as well, the soccer game? No, I am terrible. <laughs> I like to watch. I like to see other people play, but I'm not good. Until in the UFC game, I'm not good. But not I like good. to watch. I like to I like to play. Yeah. I want mm -hmm. I want, I like to make fun. How, how did you learn English in school or did you teach yourself or get a private instructor? At, at the beginning, I did at the school, but it was not good. And then I live at the Florida to train in America touching. I stayed there, I think, eight months. So I learned it. I start to talk. The last year I was doing some private classes too. I need to do again. No, I'm, I'm not going. My teacher will kill me, but I did this. So when it's time to go to school, you said, no, nah, I'm not going to go to school. I'm going to play UFC on Amanda Hebus. Yeah. Some movies, some series, okay. What kind of movies? <laughs> if my teacher sees this, he will kill me because I'm not good doing 
the glasses and Hugh Kumi. <laughs> it's it's funny because some Brazilian fighters speak great English, and some know zero English. Like for example, Junior dos Santos, he can speak English, he can sing, no problem. Jose Aldo, zero. Vanderlei <laughs> Silva, he can speak English, no problem. He can speak Spanish. Shogun Hua, nothing. I Some... think when you live at the United States, it's better to learn to to see the words, how how you guys talk. And Junior De Santos, he lives at the Florida too, so I think it's more not easy, but it's better to talk. I think. Well. He used to live in in Salvador, up north. Even mm -hmm. before he came to the United States and ATT, he already knew English pretty well. And I think he told me something that I tell people a lot. When you want to learn another language, watch soap operas. In fact, I think his nickname, Cigano, comes from mm -hmm. a soap opera. And um, so, yeah, I, if, if you want to learn good English, watch an, watch an American soap opera, they say, because... Those are some of the best actors that are trying to make it to the movies and everything. So they have good fundamentals. Oh, that's awesome, Chinui. Mm -hmm. I will do this too. Who, what are some of your favorite movies and series since you brought it up? Yeah. I love comedy movies with Adam Sandler. And now, look, this is a little old, but I was watching. A Grey's Anatomy. Do you know this Siri? Yeah. 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 With the doctors and sweat the hand. Yeah, I was watching now. It mm -hmm. makes me nervous to go to the doctor now because of all the stuff that happens in there. I was talking this with my sister. Oh my god, everybody who does this surgery do oh or find something wrong or die. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so it's crazy. It's crazy. Yeah. Yeah. Now, let me ask you this too. There's a lot of women from Brazil that are really starting to be, they're already successful or starting to become successful in mixed martial arts, in the UFC. Uh, in the past, sometimes the, and the men didn't like to fight each other necessarily. It wasn't their first option. What do you think it's like for the women? Is it different? Are you, you know, it, you've fought a couple already, so that doesn't seem to be a problem. Is it just maybe different from the with the women, the the rivalry maybe than it was for the men um, initially in the UFC? In the old days, the men definitely would fight each other, like Brazilian top team and shoot box. But then in the UFC, a lot of them like to stay away from each other early on. Yeah, I think because in the past at the UFC, it doesn't have too much girls now. There is a lot of Brazilian girls on their rank on the ranking. Look, this is is really nice to see this. So there is a time uh, we we can't just say just say no. I don't will fight with other Brazilian because if I want to be the champion, I need to to fight with the best one. And if it is Brazilian, I need to fight. It's my work. I I. I did with Brazilians. I did against Viviani, against Virina, against Marina, against Mackenzie. So for me, it's not a problem because I want the belt. So, yeah. yeah. That's great to see um, that you guys are willing to fight each other. And, and like I say, you've had quite a few of those. Um, all right. In your division, Valentina Shashenko was at the top for a long time. Now Alexa Grasso beat her. 
In your mind, who do you think will be champion by the time you're ready to compete for the world title? Do you think Alexa beats her in the rematch, hangs on to the title for a while, and then you meet her? Or do you think Valentina comes back and, and gets her title back? What do you envision? Have you thought about that? Yes, I thought about this a lot. I think Valentina against Alexa Grasso, maybe if have one more fight and we have it, I think Alexa will win again because she she is with a good brain, a good mentality. And maybe if I fight for the belt, maybe no, I will fight for the belt. I don't know when, but I will. I think it will be against Alexa. All right. And Amanda, I wanted to ask you, you know, mm -hmm. a lot of times there's a lot of nationalistic pride, right? Where you come from right now, Mexico is kind of on fire. They have a lot of champions. They have another one fighting for a championship. Mm -hmm. Do you feel like sometimes you can kind of build momentum off of people from your own country, your fellow Brazilians? Do you see something like that happening? And this weekend, you know, uh, Amanda Nunes defends her title. Do you feel like you can sometimes gain momentum from other Brazilians the way the Mexican fighters have? I think yes. And for me, I think this accent or of, or of Mexico is because they are putting a lot of work since amateur fighters. We can see they are doing really well with the amateur and now the professional is doing really great because they have the, the base, like really solid base. So when get the pro, they are really good, not just technical, but mentality with conditioning and everything good. Now, when I see a Brazilians and a lot of Brazilians in the card, like now, Amanda Nunes will do the main event. But I don't, I don't think there is a lot of Brazilians on the card. But when have a lot of Brazilians on the card, it's so exciting to see our our colors at the card. And for me, it's good. Two more quick ones, and then we're done. Mm -hmm. We appreciate your time today. The first one is you mentioned Brazil, and I don't know if you caught it, but Dana White the other day after the fights, when um. Who was the last one? The Kaikar France and Amir Al-Bazi. After that event, somebody asked him about Sao Paulo. Did you hear that? That the UFC mm -hmm. might be coming back to Sao Paulo? Ah, in, in November, November, right? Something like that, yeah. You want to fight? You want to fight there? Is that something that would be good for you? Because some people like to fight in their own home country. Others like to travel. What, what do you prefer? I, I want to fight here because I did one time. But it was without audience. It was in Brasilia at the first event without audience because the COVID was crazy because my mom's supposed to go. Now, all my city supposed to go in Brasilia, but they didn't put the audience because of the COVID. So for me, it's a dream to fight in Brazil. Mm -hmm. Um. And then the other question is, I got uh, I got to ask you a little bit more. You said you think Grasso will be champion, but what about before Valentina got caught with the rear naked choke? Valentina was doing really well, so you still think that Grasso's mentality and that confidence will be enough? You know, you don't think Valentina will maybe make the adjustment? Because I, I guess I, I guess what I'm saying is, 
I respectfully disagree. I think Valentina is going to get the title back. I don't know. Maybe I'm wrong. Do you know what is beautiful in our sport is this? Because you, we never know. Because all, all depends our mentality, of course, in the training. But at the day two, if in the day Valentina has the best heart, she has that fire in her eyes and he, she wants to win again, she will. If Alexa Grasso wants to win more than Valentina and she training a lot and it is her day, she will win. So for me, defends the day too because there is a time in, now in the UFC don't have no one is idiot. Everybody train a lot and for me, it depends the day. That's a great explanation. Okay. Yeah. Well, thank you very much for joining thank us today on me. MMA Junkie Radio. It was a pleasure to talk to you. Good luck with the rest of your camp. Safe travels to Jacksonville, Florida. And good luck on June 24th against Macy Barber in the main event of UFC on ABC5. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. It's a pleasure to talk to you guys. All right. Fun chat with Amanda Hebus. Uh, boy, Grey's Anatomy. She went a little old school there. Um, and I guess technically that, that was kind of a little bit of, it's not a typical soap opera, but it had that soap opera feel because anytime you tune into soap opera, there's always doctors and nurses at some point. I think, is that still on? Is it still going? I doubt it. It's is that, that the one with Patrick Dempsey? Yeah, that started when I was still living in Vegas. That's when and it started? Yeah, because I used to watch it here, I believe. Oh, hold on. I don't want to talk out of my ass. Holy shit, it might still be going on. on. Yeah. yeah, it says, will there be a 20th season? Huh. This is crazy. I stand it corrected. Good. It was good back in the day. I don't I haven't seen March, it. I think. March 27, 2005, until current. Wow. Can you imagine if you suggested that to somebody told me, man, binge this show. 20 seasons? You got to be out of your mind. How about binge The Simpsons? I think they've been going since the late 80s. Yeah. <laughs> I remember. Right. I always remember because I was in seventh grade and I was trying to frantically finish a science project to watch the premiere of The Simpsons. Yeah. I just quoted The Simpsons the other day to Juliet because my alarm went off. And she goes, what was that? What was that noise? And I said, that's the alarm telling me sell an RV to this fella and you're out of business. And she kind of giggled because it sounded silly. But she goes, what's that from? I go, dude, I go, that's one of the original. That's either, it's got to be in the first five episodes of The Simpsons, if I'm not mistaken. The ultimate behemoth? The ultimate behemoth when they went to buy... Uh, the RV, yeah. Uh, all right, so look, yeah, Izzy, great quotes from him, you know, him and John Jones bearing the hatchet. Henry Cejudo with open scoring. Look, let's try open scoring on prelims. You know, I don't know. I, I guess we. this has been a big week where a lot of major players have been speaking up. John Anik, Ariel Hawani, uh, a lot of fighters, of course. You know, we, we brought it up on our show. Yeah, it Maybe the, maybe we do need to do more than just sit here and go, ah, the onus is on the fighters, or we need to change scoring, the 10-9, the this, the that, whatever. I guess that we're going to try something. I know it's been, it's been 
tried at Invicta. They seem to like it. Sure, maybe this will get talked about at the convention that they're having here at the end of July in Las Vegas, ABC, where they're going to discuss this. Maybe that'll be uh, something that gets brought up. But until then, <laughs> and guess who's going to judge in Vancouver? I mean, I don't know for a fact, but I guarantee you it's going to be at least two of those three. Mm -hmm. It ain't stopping. It ain't stopping. So you, you better know that if Diamato, Lee, and Bell are there, you know, they got a set way of judging. In fact, you know what? I am going to talk about this just for a second. When when there's a when there's a court case goes, when there's a court case, and let's say you have some sort of a bias towards the uh, defendant, you can sit there and no matter how much you might like the defendant, let's say the defendant played for your favorite team, or they are the same political party, or they're from the same town you grew up, or the same same race, or whatever, and you almost are like wanting to give them the, every benefit of the doubt so that they get off. Because remember, all twelve have to convict. You know what they tell you when they explain the the, uh, the jury selection and the rules and this and that? They specifically say, this is the criteria. And so when they all discuss it, you're sitting there. So as much as you want to say, no, man, it was a crime of passion or this, that, or whatever. They go, no, this is the evidence. And this, you have to apply that evidence to this. You have no choice but to go, yeah, then, then he was guilty. The evidence shows, you know, that it was guilty. Same thing happens in MMA. This is the criteria. Is this being applied to that? That's all Bell and Lee and Diamato are doing is watching and then applying. You know, so like 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 Sean, to give him credit, Sean Sheehan was saying, study that criteria, reread the criteria, and then when you're watching the fights, talk to yourself and say, are the fighters applying that to them? You know, and he kind of goes over the criteria, the effect of striking and grappling and how you know, we don't even get to aggression or octagon control unless this happens. 10-10 should, if ever, maybe one in a million happen. They, ju they just really shouldn't happen. You have enough data to write a 10 and a 9. 10-10s don't exist. 10-8s, this is what needs to happen. That's what those guys and gals are doing. That's why I tend to defend them a little bit more. But open scoring, I guess I'm open to it to try it. I think immediate impact... I'm not an open scoring fan, but what I am a fan of is if the fight is 2-2 is or 1-1 going into the last round, I think the fighters should know. I don't think that's going to have an impact. I think that's one change. And I kind of like what we were talking about the other day. Five judges, but uh, best best of three wins the round. I think that might actually help a little bit. Yeah. I'll have to bring it up to a few people and see if they can poke holes in it or whatever. One last thing I wanted to say here, uh, I just want to discuss Ultimate Fighter real fast. Jim Miller, um, Charles Oliveira, a lot of people don't know this, he got submitted by Jim Miller. Jim Miller in 2010, knee barred him. That was 13 years ago. Just look at how great Oliveira's become, where he got knee barred by Jim Miller back then, and then years later. I mean, it's a credit to both guys, honestly. Miller getting that vicious KO the other day. 25 wins, 40 appearances, awesome stuff from him. And then, you know, Chucky Olives uh, still doing his thing, and maybe he does get a title shot. If he blitzes Darius, maybe he does. I don't know. Tough episode two. It didn't go the way it was supposed to. A fight fell off. But then in the end, they brought in a couple fighters 
Mondo Gutierrez and Cody Gibson. Gibson from Team Chandler. Gutierrez from Team McGregor. These are random weights. We call this a quarterfinal. Gibson dispatched to Mondo uh, Gutierrez via TKO. And uh, goes, what did you think of this episode? I think it was your very standard tough episode. And this one, I think there was a lot more Conor McGregor, but rightfully so. He's your star of the show. Uh, there was a little bit of Michael Chandler where Cody Gibson got to talk to Michael Chandler because uh, Cody revealed that he had been adopted and Michael Chandler's adopted two boys. And they had a, a nice conversation about that. But it was Connor hanging out with his team, uh, getting haircuts. He was just all over the place, man. His mind, he he's just everywhere. But uh, Ooh. Connor McGregor. Oh, but okay. uh, the fight... Uh, you know, didn't didn't play out, but we still got one, and and it, both fights so far this year have had finishes. This one was a pretty brutal one, but Michael Chandler's team is up to nothing now, and it, it's it's been interesting. It's enough to keep keep me interested and keep me tuning in. But nothing here. Here's the one thing that we didn't get in this episode is we didn't really get anything between the two coaches. This one was kind of all about the fighters, and then the the coaches separately, but nothing between them together. Boy, knee finishes are pretty fun to watch, aren't they? Like, th those make me have that DC Rogan anic reaction where you're like, oh, whoa. Mm -hmm. Like, obviously, we're so used to punches, but you sense punches coming when they're sizing each other up, especially if it's a jab and then it's followed or it's part of a combo. But when a knee kind of comes out of nowhere, I mean, it really almost feels like you just took a cinder block at someone's head, you know? Yeah. Yeah, that one uh, perfectly timed, and then you know, with, with the follow-ups, there's just no way you could let that one go. He, he was he was done, but that was a really good performance. And now the vets have a little bit of a swag, you could say. And and seeing that all the vets are on one side, it probably does make things a, a even more one-sided. Not just Chandler versus McGregor, but maybe vets versus uh, up-and-comers. And you kind of see that play out a little bit in the house there. Uh, some tiffs early on, people not getting getting along. Yeah, that Roosevelt Roberts was a uh, firecracker. He sure was. And, you know, you can't fight in the house because you'll get kicked out. Uh, so I could appreciate the resistance from the other guy, I forget his name, uh, Quinones, Landon Quinones. And Roosevelt Roberts is like, you know how we get down, but. What if Quinones would have said, all right, I'm crazy too. And then Roberts gets kicked out. He would have blown his chance over standing up for yourself. You know what I mean? Like sometimes you just wonder how far you push it. Or maybe Roberts go, nah, I'm just bullshitting too. Who knows? I, I think that guy played it right because um, you can't even really fake it, right? Like even if you go, I know he's full of shit. He's not going to want to get kicked out. In these situations of with cameras around, you never know how someone's going to react. And if he swings at you... You know you're going to swing back, right? So why even put you? I, I thought he kind of handled it right. He said, ah, whatever, dude. And just let it go. But uh, holy shit, Roosevelt Roberts goes from zero to 100 fast. I haven't watched Tough consistently over the years. But I, I, I the, was the last guy that got kicked out, that Noah guy in season five. Oh, uh, no. Now, since then, remember, uh, remember one guy got knocked out? Just the uh, ass word, right? Yeah. yeah. There, there's been quite a few, I think. Yeah. All right. All right, folks, we're going to get on out of here. We could be here forever, honestly, discussing every single thing that goes on in mixed martial arts. And a lot goes on. It's covered well. 
by our website, MMA Junkie, and check it out. Look, I know there's different ways for you to consume your content, but straight up, the website, MMA Junkie, award-winning, great writers, great editors, great radiographers, and two great radio hosts, and a fight analyst. You got to check it out, as well as the YouTube channel, youtube.com forward slash MMA Junkie Video. That's where you can watch Spinning Back Click and all these interviews that we do. Like, for example, if you only caught part of the Hebus interview, then you can go to the YouTube channel and catch it all in video and everything, uh, along with some of the other ones that we've done and some of the other video franchises that we've done. I really recommend the YouTube channel. And, of course, every story that we put out, we put on our socials. Some people are Twitters, Twitters, and they're not on Instagram. Some people on Instagram but not on Facebook. Well, we're everywhere. And you can find us everywhere on Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, Facebook, you name it. So wherever you consume on social, you can get at least your headlines. And then from there, you can click the story, which leads back to the website. All right, lastly goes tonight, 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 p.m. Pacific. This Saturday, our UFC 289 watch along. Those are the four prelims. We'll be there early for that. And then we'll go to the main event, the main card, which I know some of you may not get. So you can tune in to us, and we'll tell you what's happening in real time. That beats the pants out of hitting refresh and seeing what people are saying on Twitter because they're always like three to five minutes behind, whereas we'll tell you what's happening right then and there. Folks, we're out of here. Enjoy your weekend, and we'll talk to you, I guess, on Monday when we discuss UFC 289 and all the latest news on the Spinning Backlake Show. All right, folks, go out and be a champion. Take care.